I uh, was blessed last week uh, as a pastor in the United Methodist Church. We're required to have so many continuing education hours a year, and so normally I go off to do that or we'll do that locally when there are events, but this year Sarah and I were able to do that uh, together. We went to the Billy Graham uh, training uh, campus in just outside of Asheville and heard her favorite singer, Christian singer, songwriter, and uh, author Michael Card as he taught about uh, the life of Jesus. So it was a great time of instruction as well as encouragement from Sarah. We were walking through a town one afternoon we had off to go hike and, and see local shops. And as we were about to turn a corner, a, a girl who probably in her 25, 30, turned the corner, saw me, and her face actually lit up. And uh, I, I made note of this to Sarah. I said, I don't know if you noticed, after she couldn't hear me, I don't know if you noticed, but that young woman smiled when she saw me. And my wife immediately responded, you probably reminded her of her father. So anyway, <laughs> wow. There are many psalms we're not going to get to. This will be our last time in the psalms. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I, I would have looked, There are so many others we could have looked at. Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis said it's the most beautiful piece of poetry ever written. Or Psalm 121, right? I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Psalm 23. My, and, and then there are other psalms that are favorites of mine. We didn't get to all of them, but I hope you'll continue to read. Uh, we're in the 90s now in our Bible reading plan, so Ben has us reading all 150 psalms this summer, so I hope you'll do that. But Ben will be preaching uh, next week, so please be here for that. But we'll finish this series today. Just as a quick reminder, uh, five books really put together, five different sections of the Psalms, and there's everything here put together. I grew up in the 80s, and I remember the Big Mac commercial. Do you? Two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Some of you can say that, but it's here's this all the components of this burger was in the ad. And in, in the Psalms, you get it all. We look to the praise Psalms to help us worship. This is a hymn book, but that's the minority of the Psalms. We get Psalms of praise. We also get Psalms that are thanksgiving. We get some psalms like this one and last week that are part of the liturgy of the church. We get songs later in the psalms of ascent, the songs they would sing as they approached the temple for the festival worships. We get mostly laments, just hard prayers. Where are you, God? When are you going to show up and show your justice on this issue or even sometimes these people? Uh, there are so many different kinds of words here uh, in the Psalms, and I, and I hope it's been a blessing to you to wrestle with them. And then also to see, as we said last week, to be reminded again how they are tied to Jesus and what they tell us, not just about his prophetic fulfillment, and there's so many in the book of Psalms, but you also see Jesus quoting them more than any other book of the Old Testament. You see them in the, uh, in the New Testament 130 to 150 times, even, and I had not caught this, Michael Card just kind of set it off the cuff, he was talking about the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, and he was mentioning the, the story we're all familiar with, on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus Jesus appears to, to those on that road and just, oh, they have heard that teaching. Let me just tell you from Moses through the prophets of everything about me. I want to hear that, that sermon or that teaching someday. We don't get it. 
but he unloads that there. And then they end up not going to Emmaus. They run back to, to Jerusalem. And this is the part I forgot. They run back to tell the disciples. And we all remember Jesus appeared to them there. But I forgot what he said to them. He says again, hey, the law of Moses, yes, I've been revealed there. But also, and you can check it in Luke 24, also the prophets, yes, and the Psalms. Now you follow the Judaism of that day, Psalms weren't canon yet. They weren't considered the authoritative word of God, but Jesus is saying right here, oh yes, they are. They are the very word of God to my people, and they are, they are the word of God about who I am, and I have fulfilled them. So you, you got to be in the Psalms to help, yes, our prayer life, to help our worship life, to, to remind us of who Jesus is, but then also we're going to see it here today, not just how I live and respond, but this last song, and we have to do it, it's a gut punch. It's, it's a tough word. And there's a lot of tough words about revealing who God is, that we don't miss him, and we also don't miss our response. We were back last week uh, in Psalm 84, but if you remember, if you read along with us in the Bible reading plan, Psalm 85 says, there is no one like you, you alone are God. You heard it this morning in our opening hymn, Immortal, Invisible, and just this recounting of this is who you are, and you're like no other. And so God's going to make this claim to his faithful ones, to the people that he has covenanted with. So if you have your Bibles open, three quick things to note. What is it he tells those people that he wants to make sure they get? First is, he judges. God judges, verse 4 and verse 6. And we can't skip this in a culture that doesn't want to judge anything. You can't miss this about who God is and miss his authority. You can't miss that from Jesus as much as we rightly say he is love. Yes, he is love incarnate, full of grace, so merciful, just over you can't almost how many times does Jesus move with compassion meaning I ache and suffer with in the root in the Greek so much is put on display of the heart of Jesus but what did his father give him do you remember I'm to be judge and my father gave me that authority and we we can't take that from him it is his this is a this is this is a word sometimes we we might move back from but he is judge and go down to verse 21 we'd have time to read all the verses and there's another reason i didn't read them because we have children in the room and these are hard verses saying who god is he is silent sometimes for a season but he takes notice of everything and he will judge you can't miss it and he can't be manipulated either you, i don't need to be fed like those other gods i've got a cattle on a thousand hills you can't then that's it's in this song you can't buy me i don't i'm self-sufficient in myself i don't need you to come feed me you can't give me your little stuff and i have to jump or dance for you but also what you're getting in the psalm and you see it in the last verses i don't want you going through the motions with me it's not just that I can't be manipulated because I'm overall, but I want, I want you, and I want your, your heart. I want the thanksgiving, that last verse, I want the thanksgiving of your heart. Thanksgiving and right living. And if you do that, people, I will show you the very salvation of God. I love N.T. Wright calls it an obedience of the heart. That's what, I've, that's what I want. 
but don't miss who I am. And so we see that. These first couple of verses, verse 4 and 6, we have to rightly see God as his authority. He's over all. God is judge. He judges. But then look at verse 1, 3, and 7. He also reveals. And this is what Renee, Renee reminded us about. He doesn't just look and listen. We talked about that, that last week, that, that he does watch. He does hear his people but he is also a God who will speak to us, and he always has a word. And sometimes these words are some of the sweetest words. Jesus is about to face down the devil in the wilderness. And that, and that accuser of the brethren, Satan, the adversary, is going to question his sonship. If you are. If. Three times. If. If. But what is it the Father said to Jesus just the verse or two before that? Before Jesus steps out and, and fasts for a long season, and then, is, and then is, and there's a showdown with the devil himself, questioning his sonship, what has the Father just spoken into his life? This is my son. This is my son. The Father so often speaks the sweetest things. We sing about it. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. It's just like God when we need him to say the sweetest things. But I read a commentary this week on this chapter, and here's the title of the chapter. God calls man to account. And so sometimes there's instruction. Sometimes there's teaching. Sometimes there's a word of correction. And so sometimes the word comes, and they're just, I'll let you do the math later. Rebuke, accuse truth, just testify against, and even some phrases I won't read because we have children in the room, of what he will do to those who will not repent, will live and stay in their wickedness. And I don't think, I, I bet the birds hushed their singing as well when they heard these words. These are tough words. God routinely speaks correction, even to his faithful ones, to those in his covenant, and it's a word for you and for me to hear today. He is a revealer. He, this, this, his word is his word he wanted us to have. He speaks. Sometimes it's sweetness when we need it, grace when we need it. But also it can be a difficult word. What is it this week in the word? What is it he's tried to say through a friend? What, is, what has he said in a Christian book you're reading? What's the word that you need to hear that may not be easy, but you need to hear it and respond to it? He judges, he reveals, but then lastly, he delivers. If you go down to verse 14 and 15, a commentary says here he wants to make sure that Israel depends completely on him. When I, I, I went to, I think, five schools in a period of six years. We just moved a lot with dad as a coach. So it was just here to here to here to here. And I remember I'd moved to a new school in junior high, and, and you know how it is with the new kids sometimes. It's like you're the new, you're new kid on the block or whatever. And so I got class favorite that year. You know, I thought, hey, I'm a pretty big deal class favorite. It's just because I was a new kid. We were tired, tired of everybody else. But the next year I got it. It's like, hey, I'm kind of a big deal now. It's a couple years running. I remember uh, got it all junior high. And then my sophomore year, I got most dependable. You know what happened between my freshman and sophomore year? I became a Christian. 
And God began, he's still working, but he began to do a work in me. It's not all about you. It's not all about you shining. It's not all about look at me. But, but could you be about somebody else finally? I, I hated that dependable thing. It took me years to see, praise God, somebody finally saw you, not about you but you are finally about somebody else. It's a word here in 14 through 15. I will deliver you. You can depend on me. And listen, you go back to Psalm 147.10. God's pleasure is not in the strength of the horse or in your little legs. Will you depend on me? One of Josiah's reforms, when he has to just rebuke the people of God, is to burn the chariots of, of the sun with fire. You all have been depending on horses. Are you and I living so that it, it's clear to God, it's clear to our family, it's clear to our friends? I'm banking on God. Church, are we a church where we're, we're depending on this person or this program? Are we living and have the faith to say we're banking on God to move through our church? It's got to be Him. He will deliver. He will be found faithful. He is dependable. And you see it here when he's talking to his faithful ones, 14 through 15. Psalm 50 is saying, the son of Asaph, Asaph is saying, excuse me, you can depend on him. You should depend on him, but you have to. You've got to do it. Are you depending on yourself or things of this world, or is it God alone that we're banking on because he will deliver? So often when you and I see a word here about who God is, then we get a word of what's to be our response. And so we've been seeing this clear word throughout the Psalms. God is this and the other gods are that. And so there's also to be just as sharp a contrast. Here's how God's people respond to him. And it's completely separate from how the other worshipers of the other gods respond. And listen, when, when he gets into this kind of separateness, we can kind of say, oh, that's kind of high and mighty, or that's, hey, look at me. No, his separateness is so that you'll understand who he is, and that if, and if the people can't see that he's different, they'll never come to him. Even Simeon, when he lifts up the Christ, says, yes, he's been faithful to Israel, but look, this Christ child is a light to the Gentiles. To those who are far from God, he's come to draw them back to God. And so when we talk about separateness from, from, from things that are, that are unclean, and we'll talk about in, the, in, in a minute, it's, it's, and we're going to see this contrast. You see it happen here really at 16 and 17, this shift. I've been talking to my faithful ones, but now I want to talk about things that those who are far from me do. But it's a word you and I need to hear because this, this is the other side and how they respond to their gods, and this cannot be a part of our lives. A couple of things, very quickly. First, verse 17. Here's what the wicked do. They hate instruction. They hate instruction. And again, this goes back to what we just talked about. Can you and I receive a word? Sarah and I, on that day off we had, we, we went up the Blue Ridge uh, Parkway and did a hike up, a, 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 about a mile hike up to a lookout. And as we were on our way up, there was a family coming down, and a teenage, I say she's a teenager, probably a 10, anywhere from 10 to 14-year-old girl was leading the way, and she didn't stop talking from when we saw her at the top of the trail till she passed us, and it was complaint after complaint after complaint. You could tell she was hot and tired. She did not want to do this, and she was 
done. And her mom and dad were lagging behind. And I wanted to say a word like that. We've, we've had children too. But all the mother said to us was, she's just getting warmed up. <laughs> it made me think of my daughter Kate. And Kate's uh, worshiping this morning uh, with her best friend. She went to go visit her so I can talk about her. She won't watch me on YouTube. So... Uh, Every, every child, if you have a friend, who, every friend has a favorite phrase. If you have children or grandchildren, everybody's got a favorite phrase. My son, Seth, uh, his favorite phrase is, let's go. If he's playing video games or if he does something in a sport, he's screaming, let's go. Our daughter's favorite phrase going up was just one simple word, and I can't capture it like she could. It was just well, W-E-L-L. You'd ask her to do something, well... And it, it got bad, right? Even recently, we, we, I'm in trouble, don't tell. Uh, even recently, 20 years old, she just turned 20 when she was 20, we had, we, had, we had asked her, hey, would you walk the dog this afternoon? And I came home, and, and I said, hey, hey, were you able to do that? And she said, mom texted me about it. Well, you know me. <laughs> she didn't do it. And so, uh, but I remember one time, we had just been on to her, you can't say well to us in response, and finally, one day, I had given her some correction, and I could literally see her biting her cheek, not to say it. And she went back to her room, and I went back to her and just jokingly said, baby, if you need to say it, you can say it. She didn't say it as soon as I shut the door. Well. <laughs> it's, where, it's where our culture is. I know God says it. I know it's, this has always been how God's responded or what he's asked his people to be. Well, this is what I do. We can be there. We can be there. How is it you and I are open to instruction? We were looking earlier this week at the Gospel of Luke after the first catch. And these are seasoned fishermen. And Jesus says, go out deeper. And, 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 and look, the disciples are clear. We've been out all night. We've already washed our nets. And what's the next line in Luke 5? And when they had done this, there's no well. You say it. We're experienced. We've already washed it. We'll do it. How is it you and I need to be open to instruction? You see the wicked hate instruction. Go down to verse 18. They also are joining with sin. Even celebrating sin. And again, the reason God gives clear contrast. I, I love what John Oswald says about the Holy of Holies. It's not so that God won't be made known, that he'll hide from his people behind the veil, but God will only be known correctly. He is a God of holiness. He is a God who is judge. But his whole heart was that veil would be ripped and he'd have full fellowship with people, but he's going to be known correctly. And so it's a good word for us as God's rebuking and, and, and trying to reach the wicked. It's a word for us today. How is it you and I might be tempted to join in? Now listen, there's a fine line there, church, because how are we going to reach anybody if we're not close to people? How is it you and I are building relationships with people who don't know Jesus? Church, we can't be found, and, and we can be there. 
I, I take, you know, I move from city to city to city and just, all right, who do I know that doesn't, all I know is church people. Who, do, who, where can I build a relationship with somebody? How are they going to hear? How are they going to know Jesus if they don't hear, as scripture would say? So we've got to be building relationships with people who don't know Christ, but, but being very careful not to join in, that there be a clear, clear, clearness about our life. And there was with the disciples. They watched Jesus be accused of being a, a glutton and a drunkard. They watched him sit with sinners and tax collectors, but they knew he was the Holy One of God. Still clear, yet he reached for people. Is there a check that needs to be on your life and my life today that I don't want anything I do, any attitude I have, any, any activity that I do, anything that I say to, to, to muddy the waters, that it looks like I'm joining in? And then lastly, to, to that word as well, is just the importance of words. If you go down to 19 through 21, he's talking about evil, he's talking about deceit, he's talking about speaking against one another. The Lord's half-brother, James, you've read that, is so clear in James about the power of words and, and how, how, how much of a struggle they can be for us. That talk of the Bema Seat judgment where every word will have to be accounted. There's such a power in words. I've told this story be once before, but it's my favorite story about church gossip. And apparently Mildred was the self-appointed church gossip, and she held everybody in line and would tell anything you had done. But Frank was a new church member. He didn't know about Mildred until one day he parked in front of the local, local tavern. And she happened to be walking by. And she says, Frank, I'm going to tell you right now, your truck's parked right there, right there. And so all I can assume is you're going into that building. If you don't move your truck, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to assume you're in that bar. And I'm going to let everybody know about it. Frank didn't say a word. He was just quiet, did the right thing, didn't blast back. She left him there. A few minutes later, Frank got back in his truck, moved his truck, not because of what she said, but because of something else she said. And he went and he parked his truck in front of her house, left it there, and walked home. <laughs> words to deceive, words against a brother or sister, Psalm 50, God's not pulling any punches. He's saying this of the wicked, so if that's of the wicked, it can't be of us. I hope, I hope this has been a helpful series of what we see in our worship of God. This is the hymn book of the church, uh, what, how it gives words to our complaints and our struggles. When we're going through hard things, struggling with, with children or work or friendships, that these, these, these songs give voice to our prayers. But I also pray it would bless our response. It would, it would bless our response to God who is the judge, that he's over all. It, gives, gives, it blesses our response to God who's always speaking. Will we hear it and will we receive that instruction? Will, will, we, will we see God as dependable? We wouldn't trust in this world, but we live lives where it's clear to all, but mostly clear to God. We're, we're banking on you and your faithfulness, and your power. How is it you and I need to respond this day? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for your word, for what you have revealed to us about who you are, what you've revealed in this word about the Christ, the one who would be sent for us and for our sin and for our salvation. Father, we pray that uh, you would, these words would not come back to you void, but you would bless now our response to it, that, that, uh, that our lives 
would be clear, that we'd be a heart people after you, uh, always open to correction, careful with our words, careful not to join in, but under your authority. We thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Our closing